Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And Father, we do praise you, but teach us how. Show us how to worship you fully. Show us how to give our lives to you, O Lord. For therein, in giving it away, do we find it. Open your word to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this text from the Gospel of John is a fascinating text. The anointing of Jesus is attested in some manner or another in all four Gospels. And the more I work in the Gospel of John, the more I'm kind of taking that minority opinion that this may well be, rather than the least, pardon, the latest of the Gospels, it may actually be the earliest of the Gospels because of the, the detail and the fact that other Gospels have picked up aspects of, of John and modified it in a way that I think represents later iterations of the church's life. But in, the gay, in this case, we, we have a, a, a gospel story that's very similar in both Mark and Matthew, probably because Matthew was, was stealing from Mark, which is otherwise the oldest of the synoptic gospels. And, and, then, and yet in Matthew and Mark, Jesus is being anointed on the head. But then in Luke, we have this story that's very similar. But in Luke, it's happening not down in Bethany, but up up in Galilee. And the woman who comes in is a, in all likelihood, a prostitute. Some have said that this is Mary Magdalene. There's no indication of that. But she comes in weeping. And she she wipes Jesus' feet of those tears with her hair. And and then in this instance, we have Mary of Bethany, who is the sister of Lazarus and the sister of Martha. The three of them are together at this banquet together in, in Bethany, in all likelihood, in their home. And this is after... Lazarus has been brought back from death. Lazarus, who was gone for three days, and Jesus called him forth, and he was raised from the dead. And so we have this story of of deep gratitude of, of, of Mary. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the 12th chapter of John. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. 
But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, or was he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So Martha and Mary are the sisters of Lazarus. And Martha, as you probably recall, there's a phrase, well, she's a Martha, meaning this is a person who is just always working the kitchen, always doing these things that that constitute taking care of other people, so busy, so occupied, she's, she's a Martha. This is where it comes from, because that's how Martha was. And Mary was one who was much more, much more thoughtful. So there's one instance recorded in Luke in which Jesus is at the home of Martha and Mary, and Martha is busy getting things ready, uh, cooking and getting the dishes out and everything else while, Mar- while Mary is sitting at his feet, listening to Jesus. And Martha gets mad, comes out and says to Jesus, it isn't fair that I'm doing all the work and she's just sitting here, tell her to come and help me. <laughs> and Jesus says, Martha is doing the right thing. Pardon me, Mary is doing the right thing. Mary is doing the right thing. But she's sitting at his feet. And then when Lazarus dies, Mary runs to Jesus and once again falls at his feet. And and now, as this dinner is going on and in, in their home, Martha is working. She's doing the preparations. And Mary is also making preparation. She has saved this expensive perfume. She has set it aside for an appropriate moment. And so as they're all around the table, Mary comes in. And I wonder how it was. She was carrying this, perhaps it was a gourd, perhaps it was a jar, and she, she breaks the top. And, and Jesus, the way they ate, they were reclining, laying down, so his feet were behind him. Jesus come, pardon me, Mary comes up to Jesus' feet, and she pours the ointment over his feet. And John says that the, that the aroma filled the home. And then she let down her hair. Now in the first century, in first century Jewish homes, a woman did not let down her hair in any kind of a public setting, which means anyone apart from her immediate family. She let down her hair and she wiped his feet with her hair. I believe that the confusion about this event has to do with the 
the intensity of this action. So great is this woman's love for Jesus. She, she does this and with the, the aroma of the perfume, with the hair down, with her wiping his feet. There could have all been all kinds of interpretations on this. When this happens in Galilee, those who are at the dinner say, do you know what kind of woman this is? If Jesus knew what kind of woman this is, he would drive her away. Little do they know, Jesus would not drive her away. And so all of the, this, this story gets, gets swirled around in the church and they wonder. They wonder about the intensity that Mary expresses in this way, in her love for Jesus. And it's a beautiful scene. And Jesus defends her, of course. And Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. She's preparing me for my burial. She has poured out her own self to show her love for me. Jesus honors this act of worship on the part of Mary. Now, all this had to be ruined by, Ju by Judas. Judas says, well, what about the poor? There are poor people here. There are poor people all over, all around us. This could have been sold and given to the poor. I think we always have to be careful about so-called social justice when it's divorced from a deep and profound faith in Christ. So many are the stories of the so-called, uh, those who are involved in social justice, of so many accounts of how they go public asking for funds so that the poor might be fed, whether here or all over the world or whatever the issue may be. And then suddenly, how, how did they get so rich? How did they get so much money? If they really are concerned for the poor, why is it they have so much for themselves? And so this was Judas and John threw in a little parenthetical comment. He didn't really care about the poor. He was a thief. He handled all the money, and he kept some for himself. And so it was that the Judas, who was there at this dinner, who saw this and tried to posture as a righteous man by calling attention to the poor, really had deeply ulterior motives. But not only that, Judas, I believe at this point, had already entered into a relationship with the temple authorities as they were trying to kill Jesus. Because as it says at the end of this passage, then they also were trying to kill Lazarus. And it was Judas in all likelihood, after posturing as a very righteous man who goes off, and tells the religious authorities, there's Jesus and there's Lazarus. There they are. And it was really Jesus that they wanted. We have no record of them ever actually getting Lazarus and stringing him up. And it is 
it is the reasonable expectation that Lazarus lived to be an old man and participated in the early church. But Judas was a thief. So this, this odd mixture of, of godly worship on the part of Mary, and then in the very same setting, one looks at this as an opportunity to take advantage of, of that magnificent act of worship. Calling attention to it and criticizing it. Somehow indicating that this money, well, it should have been entrusted to him so that he could do what he would do, supposedly feed the poor. And so the real, the real issue is in this, how do we really worship? How do we really show our love for Christ? How do we do this? You know, we, <clears throat> we come to church, and church has been around for a couple thousand years now. It's had several expressions, several iterations. And... Um, we come here and many of us grew up in the church, were baptized in the church and kind of always come because we always went. And so it's just part of one of those things that we do. But the real reason why we gather is to worship, to show our, our deep gratitude, to, to lay our hearts out before the Lord as Mary did that day. How do we do this? Andrew Lloyd Webber captured this now 50 years ago in his words to Jesus Christ Superstar when he wrote, I don't know how to love him. Speaking of, you know, Mary, I don't know how to love him. I, I just, I've loved men before. I know what that's about, but I don't know how to love this man. I don't know how to do this. And neither do we. How do we do this? What it is not is just our going through motions, just doing church because we've always done it before. This is to be an opportunity for us to, to pour something out of who we are to Christ. This is to be our opportunity to allow our hearts to be opened so that we might be moved according to his will and, and that our lives might be poured out in what ways that he calls us to live. Once again, it's the, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The abundant life is not just going out there and getting as much as we can. It's going out there and giving as much as we can. And the real question becomes, how do we do this? How do, we, how do we love him? How can we possibly make this real for our lives? Well, when I was a kid, I had to cut the grass. I had to take out the trash. I had to do all kinds of different things, you know, how it is being a kid, and I was the oldest boy, and so I was given 
the, the, the heavier lifting type jobs. And my dad was so cheap. I never got anything from dad. Dad just sort of expected it. And so I tried mom. Mom was a soft touch, I thought. And so I suggested for cutting the grass, I just, I, I, I wrote a note to her, for cutting the grass $5 a week, for taking the trash out as it was needed and then, and then hauling the cans out to the curb um, a week, $3, something like that. I had a few other things, I forget what it was, but it all, all added up to a grand total of about $18. And I was, I thought, this is great, if I can get this. <laughs> I got a note back from mom. <laughs> and it said, cooking the meals. <laughs> Zero. Doing the laundry, zero. And I forget what all. But she tallied them up of all her work, of all that she did, and it was zero. And, and then I felt so foolish. And I saw that, that in my mother, what she did, she did for love. Love for dad, love for the four of us. She just did it because she loved us. And dad did the same thing. There was never an expectation of any payback. And, and so it was an example just in the family of love, of giving without expectation of return. And I don't know what that means for each of us. I think it's individual to each of us, just as it was for Mary. For Mary, the way she could pour herself out to Jesus was through this, this gift of expensive perfume. But we pour ourselves out in some way or another to our Lord and, to in, service, and in service to one another. And in that way, we... We show that we belong to him. And we give of the life that we've been given. And somehow, some way, when we do, as we do, the Lord our God is glorified. And so, as Jesus says in, in Luke, what this woman has done will be told from this time forth. This story will be told again and again and again. Those are the stories that are told again and again and again. The stories of our loving others. Those are the stories that are told. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Father, we also have an invoice in our name for what we owe you. But because of the gift of your son and how he poured himself out for us, 
all of that tallies down to zero because of your love and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf that we might know that we are loved. With your love at work within us, O Lord, teach us to love one another. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.